Welcome to Scout Team Sports once again, everybody. I appreciate you all. This is your host, Devalian, and we are going to get right into uh, the rest of week one of the NFL. These are the predictions and hopefully short analysis because I want to get through the entire uh, week one. So we're starting off with, first of all, um, I have looked at several times as far as the listing times and most of them are consistent for when these games are supposed to come on but it is quite odd to me um like half the games by fox half the games by cbs but mostly all of them are starting at 5 p.m eastern which would be 2 p.m pacific and then you have your monday night your sunday night games rather starting at your typical time um 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and your Monday night games, uh, same time. Well, actually, the the Monday night games are staggered. That triple header is staggered um, with you having kind of sort of an early game, a mid-game, mid-evening game, and then a late-evening game. Um, So I I don't see why you would do that. I mean, yeah, people are quarantined. People are going to be in, so they're going to watch anyway. I would think you will want to have things or games playing throughout the day um, because people are going to be, for the most part, shut in throughout the day. <laughs> you know, Even if they do want to go out and get something to eat and bring it home and stuff like that, I mean, I don't see why you shouldn't just put the games or the games aren't starting at the normal times um, to spread things out. So that, that seems like a real big cluster mess. We'll keep it PG here. Um, when it comes to the times that these games would start. Um, yeah, I got to figure out the reasoning behind that if they are indeed going with, uh, these time, these time frames. Anyway, uh, we'll start off with, um, what we have here, what it says here on the list, um, going by NFL.com's standards. Uh, first of all, we start off with the Eagles at Washington football team. Yes, no mascot, no, just the representation, keeping the same colors, uh, and going with Washington football team. Um, the thing is, I like, I really do like what the um, Washington football team is trying to build there. You got Dwayne Haskins as the young quarterback. Um, you you have Ron Rivera now there as the head coach. I love Chase Young. He is my he was my favorite player in the draft that I wanted for my team, but I knew it wasn't going to happen. And uh, yeah, I just I just think that Washington is going to be. They were already a scrappy team trying to claw their way to a couple of victories last year, and it was hard for them, but they did. But I think Ron Rivera just amps that up. However. With no preseason and with the wacky offseason that we've had uh, because of the pandemic, I don't know if they can put it together this quickly. And in that case, I would tend to go with a team who is much more polished just because of their history and their track record, which would be the Eagles. So I'm going to take the Eagles, but I'm going to take the Eagles in a low-scoring, scratch-it-out, dig, fight in the dirt. Like, like it's going to be a scrappy game. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington pulled it out, but I don't know if um if they if they could pull it together this quickly with like I said no preseason and just practices and this is your first game first contact against an opponent like without scrimmaging or without preseason games or anything. So uh, I want to pick 
Washington, and I like them moving forward, uh, depending on the matchup. But I'm going to give it to the Eagles with a slight edge, just because, you know, as long as Carson Wentz is healthy, and that is always a big factor for the Eagles, um, that that team should be more polished and more ready to go uh, with a returning DJX if he is healthy. Um, I haven't heard any reports that he's not. I heard that he was dealing with some things a couple months ago. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Eagles in a slight low-scoring edge over Washington football team. But I really do like Washington, though. Uh, next game, um, it was uh, I found out that it was going to be uh, Fitzpatrick who was going to take the start. And I think he should. I think uh, Tua should keep uh, learning. He doesn't need to be put out this early, especially under these circumstances. With the Dolphins going to New England to face the Patriots, um, I like the Dolphins in this one. Um, with all that's going on and so many players opting out, um, especially the key being for the Patriots, uh, their centerpiece, in my opinion. Uh, Stephon Gilmore is the MVP of that defense, but the centerpiece is Dante Hightower, and he opted out uh, of this season because of the pandemic. So he's not playing. So with him not being there and the defense still being the strong suit for both these teams, uh, I'm going to have to give the edge to uh, the Dolphins. I like the Patriots defense. I like Cam Newton. I have faith in Cam Newton, but I don't have faith in everybody else around him. I don't have faith in the Patriots running game. I don't have faith in the Patriots wide receiving core, and I don't have faith in uh, the Patriots offensive line. So if you put all that together, uh, and you know, it seems like Cam is in a worse situation than what he was in Carolina, but I get it. You know, you got to take a job. It's about respect, all the other things he said. You know, I think he's going to scrap it out and hope that he can play safe and play smart and don't put himself in certain positions in certain circumstances where he could get himself injured again. Um, you know, because this isn't preseason and this is the first game of the season. It's like, okay, you got to go, but you got to make it through the season. And it's only a one-year deal, so you want to hope to uh, perform well in the sense that you perform well, you stay healthy throughout the season, uh, then, you know, you should have another contract on the way afterward. Um, but with all that being said, like I said, um, Brian Flores, the head coach of the Dolphins, um, I'm very happy for him as a black head coach. He's do, he's, he's really doing well, uh, making strides. He has a solid defense and has been amped up by their expensive free agent signing of cornerback Byron Jones. So you couple that with, I would say, um, you couple that with the fact that Fitzgerald knows that offense as much as people might not give it credit for how good it is. He knows his offense. He can pass the football. He can air it out. Uh, he has a solid, competent number one receiver in Devontae Parker. I was going to say Adams. It's like I have to, I have to catch myself because I automatically want to say Adams because of Green Bay and, and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams with Devontae Parker. Uh, in Miami, I believe, is their number one receiver. And um, him and Fitzpatrick can do some things um, along with their running game, which I think is it's it's okay. Uh, but, I mean, they're so, their offense, I would say, is so much better right now than the Patriots' offense, and that was proven the last game of last season. And you go right back into it with the, this first game of this season, same, uh, same atmosphere, um, but with three quarters less fans in the stadium. So yeah, I'm picking the Dolphins in this one. 
going on to the next game, another division rival game. They're starting off with uh, the Packers at the Vikings. Uh, this is a tricky one. Again, I know there's going to be, I don't know every single detail of every single person who is um, opted out and not playing this season, but just going off of what it is that I know and who is playing. Um, I I actually like the Vikings in this one because I understand that the Packers are going to be mostly running game and defense, and then Aaron Rodgers is going to do his thing with Devontae Adams uh, and company. Um, but with the turmoil that's going on, uh, I don't know if I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is in the right mental state. I understand he's a professional; he's going to play football. But if the Vikings realize that. Aaron Rodgers is not going to pass that much, and they only have to guard Devontae Adams. And, you know, they just have to worry about Aaron Jones in the running game. Um, I like, I think I like the Vikings to do well. Now, it is, um, it is worth noting that um, the Vikings have uh, beefed up their defense, and so I would think that that's going to help them. Now, the key is the Packers' defense versus the Vikings offense and that for even for last year that was always the wild card for me who's going to get the better edge is uh Kirk Cousins and Kyle Rudolph uh and Adam Thielen are they going to do their thing now now it's all on uh Adam Thielen as far as the number one receiver because Diggs is gone so Thielen's going to get the double team so Rudolph has to be more involved in the offense who's going to be the third person in the offense that's going to make things click you would normally think it would be Dalvin Cook. And, of course, I would always automatically say Dalvin Cook if I was confident that Dalvin Cook could stay healthy. But this guy, I've even picked him on fantasy football. Certain uh, The year that I picked him as my first or second-round pick in fantasy football, he went down the very first game. And I am not known a season where he's played all 16 games yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe he did last year, and I just wasn't paying attention, but I thought he missed some games last season, too. Um, I can't trust him to stay healthy. That's the kicker. It's like I like the Vikings to win this game, but I'm thinking they're going to need their firepower um, because if not, then Aaron Rodgers, if he give Aaron Rodgers too many chances, no matter how much that is a running first offense now and no matter how much, you know, it seems like, Aaron Rodgers is just not himself um, lately playing as the quarterback of the Packers. You give him too many chances, he's eventually going to strike and he's going to take you out. Um, but I think the Vikings will do just enough to get the win and eke out a win. I don't want to say low scoring, but I want to say you know mid like mid twenties, maybe in the low thirties. It'll get up there um, because both these offenses, I think, can do some damage if everybody is fully healthy. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see one of these teams being so much more dominant than the other. You know, if the Vikings win this one, I'm like, for sure, the Packers are going to win the next one and they'll split it one and one. Um, so, but I'm going to take the Vikings and the edge out over the Packers this game. Next, we're moving on to the Colts at the Jaguars. So we're going to go with, uh, the Colts in this one. The Jaguars, uh, you know, they're, they're solidified uh, Garner Minshew as their starting quarterback moving forward. They just let go of Leonard Fournette, and I don't know what else they have in their offense except for the connection between uh, Minshew and 
Wood is, has emerged as their number one receiver and DJ Chark. That's their only connection on offense. Other than that, I don't know what that's formidable coming out of the Jaguars' offense. Yes, their defense is, is nice. Their defense is solid um, for the most part. But if they're on the field too long, they're going to give up points just like anybody else. And the thing is, when it comes to these games, you know, the games it's, that are harder to pick is when both teams have good offense and good defense or both teams have one thing that's good, either good offense or good defense. But when it's two versus one, to me, it's easier to pick. The Jaguars have a defense, not a good enough offense. The Colts have a, a, a decent defense and a decent offense, so I'd have to go with the Colts. The Colts have emerging uh, stars on defense. They got DeForest Buckner from the Niners. Uh, they got Phillip Rivers starting, who is an uh, interception machine, but if he has a running game to take a lot of pressure off of him, which he does in Marlon Mack and company, then he should be, he's, he's fine. He should be fine. If he doesn't have to force the ball, if the game's not on him and they're not down by 10 points late in the fourth quarter or down by a touchdown late in the fourth quarter all the time, then I think it's it's much easier for him, especially as a veteran quarterback, to lead his team to victory, which mean, meaning I don't think even though they're facing a decent defense, they're going to wear them down because the defense is going to be on the field the whole time because the Jaguars offense can't produce. So I like the Colts in this one. Um, it, I don't, I don't want to say if it's going to be a blowout, but I'm saying I think it'll be a solid win because, like I said, the Jaguars' defense will get worn down, and the fact that when they start wearing them down, the Colts don't have to rely on the passing game to do that. They can just run the ball down their throat. Colts win. Uh, next game we're going with the Bears at the Lions. Good old Matt Stafford returning once again. Uh, you know. I, I I guess they want to keep the Detroit Lions want to keep it with this same carousel. I know people are going to say, oh, Matt Stafford's good. He does this completion percentage. He does this. He does that. He does this. But at some point, something has to be, you got to, you, you need a change. I just think you need a change, man. I think you need to just start over and try with somebody else. Maybe they're waiting on sunshine. I hear a lot of people waiting on sunshine. The quarterback out of Clemson who's still playing in Clemson. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's been a long time with Matthew Stafford, whether he finishes a season or not or whether he just throws too many interceptions in one season or, you know, and I, I realize the Lions have other issues. They have other issues. Um but it's 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 just to me it's just getting tired, you know. I don't think he's the one that can lead them to the playoffs, let alone a Super Bowl. So at that point, it's like, what are you doing? Paying him all that money and continuing to pay him all that money, without trading him, get rid of him, whatever. It's like I think you need to cut your losses. But it is what it is. Matthew Stafford back again. They have. Adrian Peterson, who was cut from the Redskins, and now he's going to be running for them. I don't think he's going to be the starting running back, but he's going to, um, I think they're definitely going to utilize him. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what much else that I see coming out or emerging from the Lions that makes me think oh, they're going to they're gonna be better than they were last year. But then on the other hand, you got the Bears, who are 
hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold. I mean, you know Khalil Mack is going to lead that defense. They're going to be, um, for the most part, solid. Uh, but then it's always it's been the same thing with the Bears for, I want to say, at least almost 10 years now. What's going on with their offense? So you got the controversy between Trubisky and Foles. I think Foles is the better pick um, right now. Uh, but I think they're going to go with Trubisky from what I've seen, from what the reports that I've looked at, that I think they're going to go with Trubisky to start game one. And I just don't think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that coupled with, I mean, what what else from the Bears offense? I like Allen Robinson, the receiver, but other than that, what from the Bears offense makes you think that they have enough firepower to score on average three touchdowns a game. What on the Bears offense makes you think that? I don't see it. I don't see it. And you, it's not like you can rely on the defense. It's not fair to ask the defense to, to score for you every single game. So, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the for me, this is picking, you know how they say, the lesser of two evils. In this game, I'm pissing, I'm, I'm picking... Uh, the <laughs> I'm picking the lesser of two weaklings, so um, yeah, I just really wow, yeah, I went there. Can we edit that? <sighs> so, in this one, I think I'm gonna pick the lesser of two weaklings and um. I'm going to go with the Lions to edge out a win here. I like the Bears' defense. I've always liked Khalil Mack ever since he was on the Raiders, but I, I just don't have any faith in the Bears' offense. And then, like I said, the the, the Lions' de- defense and Lions' offense, I don't know that there's anything that makes me think, oh, you're a good team. But I would say maybe you don't have as many problems as the Bears do. So I'll pick the Lions edging out the Bears' at home next we get to the Raiders and they're going up against the Carolina Panthers the Raiders are the biggest question mark in my head this year because it seems like on paper they should be better but that was supposed to be the case last year too and while they got to six and four and were in a playoff hunt then they crumbled and uh, you know, now you're supposed to be better. You got weapons. Derek Carr is tired of the disrespect, he said, from the Raider faithful. And he is going to show what he's all about. Here's my thing. You are talking all this frustration to the media and to Raider fans about, look at what I've done. I'm still a good quarterback. And, you know, of course, Gruden and, and Mayock are going to support him while he's there. And the Raider faithful who like Derek Carr, he's completed 70% of his passes or 70 whatever percent of his passes. Uh, he, he, you know, he's, he's leading the offense. Okay. The Raiders were 24th in scoring last year. They were 24th in scoring. You really think that's good enough when it comes to the playoffs? No, you're not even going to make the playoffs with a 24th ranked scoring offense. So you want to talk about Derek Carr's statistics. Okay, fine. 
I'll give you that. I'll talk about his leadership. It's not there because if it was there, you would have a better than the 24th ranked scoring offense. You have to be able to lead your offense down the field and punch that ball in the end zone for a touchdown. And obviously they are not able to do that nearly as much as they should be. So with the completion percentage or whatever the case may be, something's off. Something is off. And you can't just blame it on just receivers or just the offensive line because the offensive line for all intents and purposes are reportedly is good. And you can't just blame it on Josh Jacobs because, for my opinion, they overused him. And that's why he got hurt late in the season. So who else are you going to talk to? Are you going to talk to Gruden? Are you going to talk to Derek Carr? Derek Carr's got to be on the hook for something. You might not blame him for everything, and I don't blame him for everything, but you got to be on the hook for something. You are not punching that ball in the end zone. Even if the coach tells you to run certain plays, you're telling me if you don't see something better at the line pre-snap that you can't audible and go for a better play, go for a better play call, you are the quarterback and you have the ability to do that. So what if the coach gets mad at you, what is he going to do? You know, all this talk about, Getting rid of Derek Carter ain't got rid of him yet. So make your plays, make your pre-snap adjustments, and punch the ball in the end zone. They're not getting that done. So all this talk about how good Derek Carr is, he is not leading that offense down the field into the end zone enough for them to be a winning football team. You can't put everything on the defense, and your offense is 24th in scoring. That cannot be all your losses cannot be on the defense when you are 24th in scoring. If it was all the defense's fault, then every single game that you lose, you need to be losing a shootout. If you're losing a shootout, then it's all the defense's fault because you did your part. You marched down the field. You scored touchdowns, not field goals. So. That's the biggest question mark for me is can Derek Carr and with these new weapons that he has, he has now a deep threat in rugs. The rookie Tyrell Williams, I don't have faith in he's overpaid in my opinion. And now we learned that he has a shoulder injury to Benny that he's going to play through. So he's not going to be even be 100 percent when he's out there playing. But then you have Darren Waller as a very good tight end. And you've got Josh Jacobs running a football who I hope they don't overuse. What else? What, what excuses do you have now? And you got Brian Edwards, the other receiver that you took out of, I think, South Carolina out of the draft. There are no, no excuses. There were no excuses last year. Like I said, all this talk about how good Derek Carr is, you cannot be 24th in scoring. You have to, as a good quarterback, lead your team down the field and punch the ball in the end zone. You are the captain of that offense. It's up to you to get that done. It can't just be the play calling from the coaches. It can't just be, oh, he dropped the ball or you or he missed a block. And like th- that happens. I get it. That's football. But I'm not letting Derek Carr off the hook just because his stats are good. It's more to being a quarterback than you having good stats. You have to be a leader. You have to be people something, somebody that people believe in. And it's up to you to punch that ball in the end zone. 
So get it done, Derek Carr. Y'all need to be much higher. If you're such a good quarterback, you need to be much higher than a 24th ranked scoring offense. So for that reason, question marks on the defense. I'm not sure that they can get it done. First game, no preseason, on the road at Carolina. Carolina, you've got their highest paid running back now. Uh, they The highest paid running back now, I believe, in uh, Christian McCaffrey. He's lethal. You got their defense, which I believe is is at least solid, maybe not great, but solid. And you got Bridgewater, who, for the most part, doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make that many mistakes. So even if he's not going to air it out, he's not going to make that many mistakes either when he does have to throw the football. And he's not going to have to throw the football that much because they're going to run the football. Now, if the Raiders stack the box and they neutralize, maybe not totally eliminate or slow down, but if they neutralize, um, or maybe if the right term is to slow down uh, Christian McCaffrey, then maybe they've got a shot at beating Bridgewater in the passing game. But I don't know if the Raiders' defense is competent enough to get that done yet. I like Max Crosby, but he's not enough when it comes to a pass rush. We need more than that when it comes to a pass rush. I like Corey Littleton. Damon Arnett, their first, their first, second pick in the first draft um, out of Ohio State. is is questionable to see what he's going to do. Nobody in the Raiders secondary really just jumps out at me as just being formidable. So I like the Panthers in this one. So Panthers over the Raiders, but I'm hoping that the Raiders can do better this time. At least, even if the defense is not up to speed or not up to par, at least the Raiders offense should score at least three to four touchdowns in this game. If they don't, I don't want to hear anything about how good Derek Carr is because if he's not punching the ball in the end zone enough, I don't want to hear anything else about the other Raiders' problems or the Raiders' defense because Derek Carr is not doing his part. And if the offense is the strength of the team, then be the strength of the team. But you're not even being the strength of the team, so you can't complain about the weakness of the team. Moving on. Next, we have the Jets at the Bills. Uh, I like the Bills in this one. There is no reason, there is no excuse, in my opinion, for the Bills to not win the AFC East this year. You have no excuses. You are the best team in the AFC East. Uh, I believe you were the best team in the AFC East last year, but you couldn't get it done um, in the playoffs. But, um, you know, the Patriots still had Tom Brady, even though he wasn't playing that well, and he still had a formidable defense. I believe the Bills overall are the best team, offense and defense. So if you got Josh Allen, a quarterback, and you got Tredavious White as your number one corner, as a corner piece of the defense, and you have your running game, a decent running game, you have decent receivers now, you have Stephon Diggs as your receiver, who can be your number one, there's no excuses. And, I mean, you're not facing that good of a team, in my opinion, in the Jets. The Jets just lost Adams, who didn't want to be there. Their safety, who was really good, he's traded off to Seattle. And Sam Darnold, I believe, has got to get better. Um, you know, he's still young, still doing well. But there's all this talk about Adam Gase and does he even like um, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is there. Le'Veon Bell's already got his guaranteed money. So does he even care about winning football games now? Is he running like 
be used to run in Pittsburgh. I really haven't seen that yet. But on the other hand, the Jets' offensive line is not going to give you that much of a chance to do whatever it is that you might have been able to do back in Pittsburgh. So, you know, it's it's on the Jets' offensive line. Can Sam Darnold do well with the receiving core that he has? Um, I don't know that they really got – did they get him any – I didn't pay attention to the Jets' draft. Did they really get him any help? Um, in the wide receiving core, I would like to think that they would have tried to go for one of the trifecta, uh, trading up for uh, either Jerry Judy or Ruggs or CeeDee Lamb, and they didn't do that. So, uh, or getting one of those um, wide receivers in the draft. I forgot what spot in the draft they were. Um, so, you know, what, 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 are we, what are we doing here? What are we doing here at the Jets? Are we getting better? Are we doing something better than we did last year? I don't see that from the Jets yet. So I'm going to go with what's clearly should be the better team from top to bottom in the Bills. And next we're going on to the Browns versus the Ravens. Now, I like the Ravens in this one. I know that the Browns beat the Ravens. And they split the season series last year. Um, But I think there's just too many question marks with the Browns. I don't have question marks with the Ravens. I know what they are. I know what I'm getting. And I have to go with that when it comes to the first game of the season. Even with all of the question marks of who's not playing and uh, who's, who's opted out of the season. I don't know if anybody notable... I don't know that anybody notable from the Ravens has, but again, notable doesn't necessarily mean um, that somebody else who opted out is not a key piece. Um, But with the Browns, it's like it's always question marks at the beginning of the season. Can they pull it together? They've got the talent. Can they do it? I would say if if we were talking about about week eight and the Browns were like, you know, five and three or something like that, or five and two or four and three, then I would say, yeah, I'm giving the Browns a real shot at this. But eh, in Baltimore, not sure if where I never know where um I never know where the Browns quarterback's head is at. Is he focused? Is he emotional? Is he what what what's what's going on with Baker Mayfield? Um. It's like, but everything that they have, I like what the Ravens have is better. Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback. Lamar Jackson's a better quarterback. I like Nick Chubb, but Mark Ingram, to me, is a more solid veteran running back. Um, Wide receivers, of course, Odell Beckham, but where is his head? Where is his head at? Um, It's still obvious that he doesn't want to be in Cleveland, but he's still there. So what is he going to do with the season? What is he going to do? Uh, now that I believe he's fully healthy um, and he should get more touches primarily because I believe Jarvis Landry is not healthy. So how's that going to look with him being clearly the number one receiver, getting the most touches, but you know he's going to be double teamed. And you know how DBs get in his head and under his skin. How is that, how is that going to work? Uh, Miles Garrett is back. He's going he's gonna to be playing. How is he going to do against the Ravens defense? Where is his head? Where is his head at? And, uh, yeah, I know it doesn't sound right, but I'm trying to think. Where is his mind at? There's, there it is. Where is Miles Garrett's mind at? Is he clear? Is he focused? 
is it the team is the defense ready to give back to business um and it doesn't vote well for them having to deal with the Ravens the first game of the season with no preseason and no it just ah, I just don't like the way the season's starting but hey it is what it is I'm gonna take the Ravens in this but it doesn't mean that I don't like the Browns I like the Browns but it's just the talent is there but I the mindset I don't know is it the mindset is it, I don't want to say it's the heart I really don't see it being the heart I don't I don't I don't I look at the Browns I don't say that the Browns don't have heart I can't say that so it's got to be the mindset. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't see it yet as a team consistent, consistently with the Browns. And when you go up against the Ravens, yeah, you might be able to pull one out, but I don't see you sweeping the season series. So I say this is the one because it's the beginning of the season. I say this is the one where the Ravens definitely come out on top. Whew. That is a mouthful. So. We are going to take a break. We are going to come right back after a word from our sponsor. This is Scout Team Sports. Scout Team Sports, right back at you. We're going to finish out this week one analysis and predictions here. We get back into it with the Seahawks visiting the Atlanta Falcons. Um, You have um, Adams, who was traded to the Seahawks, uh, that should definitely uh, help out their defense um, because now it seems like the defense is in jeopardy with, you know, the sonic boom. Uh, with sonic boom, what is it? Oh, the boom of the boom of the defensive boom, whatever the boom used to be. There's too many booms now. I know a lot of booms. But uh, the defense is not what it used to be. Of course, they still have Wagner at the helm and the linebacker position, but now they have Adams there. Of course, uh, the captain, Russell Wilson, is leading that offense, which should have um, a decent three-headed monster in the running game. And now, of course, his number one receiver is Tyler Lockett. Um, but then also DJ Metcalf is, a to me, a very credible receiver. Um, you know, going into the Atlanta Falcons, where the Falcons are so inconsistent to where it's like, man, if they could just be consistent for at least half a season, that probably would net them a playoff berth. But nevertheless, it seems like they're hot, cold, they're hot, cold, they're hot, cold, even with all the talent that they have. So, of course, you know, Matt Ryan's at the helm. Um, I've never really had faith in Matt Ryan to be consistent. You know, whether it's one year he's good, one year he's off, one game he's good, one game he's off. I understand all quarterbacks are human, but Matt Ryan's been in the game long enough to where he should be more consistent than what he is. Um, you got probably, arguably, the best wide receiver um, in the uh, in the league with Julio Jones, as long as he's healthy, which he, for the most part, he usually doesn't have health concerns. But the running back that they newly acquired does in Todd Gurley. So uh, Tara Gurley is now a Falcon. And uh, what's his story going to be? Is he going to be the Gurley of old? If he's a Gurley of old, then we're talking business as far as the Falcons offense. But if he's not, if he's just a change of pace guy because he can't be uh, a consistent number one running back, of course, they don't have Devontae Freeman anymore, then what have the Falcons really done to improve their offense. Um, Of course, Calvin Ridley is a number two, a very solid number two. I like him as a number two. Um, But what, what, you know, what does that look like in their defense? I'm like, I like their defense for the most part. It looks consistent. Uh, But again, 
Maybe, it, you know, I, I would say it's just a division that they're in, but they don't only just lose division games. But, so what is it going to be? Falcons, Seahawks. Eh, I got to go Seahawks. I got to go Seahawks. I got to go with more a quarterback who I trust more. Um, not to say that he doesn't make mistakes. He does. But I got to go with a team that I would trust more uh, to be consistent in what it is that they do. I know what I'm getting, even with the mistakes that they make. I know what kind of mistakes the Seahawks make on offense and defense. Falcons is like, I, what, what am I going to get this week? And this is just the start of a season. This is no preseason. This is no practice. This is no, I mean, this is practice, but it's not a preseason. There's not, this is not the start to a regular NFL season. So first game of the season, and I don't know who's opted out and who's not playing. have to go with who I know is playing. I got to go with the Seahawks. Next, we go with the LA Chargers starting their season off in Cincinnati against the Bengals. Um, not really much to talk about here. I know Joe Burrow, the rookie, number one draft pick overall, starting out the season. I don't still don't think that they have AJ Green available. If they did and he was fully healthy, we're talking a totally different ball game here. But with just uh, Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon, Joe and Joe, uh, in the offense, uh, I don't know who else they have on the offense that is notable. I don't put any faith really in their offensive line. It's going to be a rough go. I don't see anything good with their defense. So, hey, you know, Chargers almost win this game by default, and that's not to disrespect the Bengals, but it's just saying they're just, you know, they are what they are. You know, they were as poor as they played last year for a reason, and now they're, you know, they're in rebuild mode. So, And you're going against a team who is not the greatest, but the Chargers do have a solid defense. They have... Um, Joey Bosa, and they have um, not Melvin Gordon, but they have oh, I can't remember the other defensive end's name, but they have a decent defense. And then you couple that with okay, they don't have Philip Rivers anymore. He was causing them a lot of problems as far as throwing interceptions. Um, and I trust Tyrod Taylor to be a safe quarterback, just like uh, Teddy Bridgewater, but even more safe. Tyrod Taylor doesn't turn the ball over. That's his thing. He might not be the best as far as airing it out, but he doesn't turn the ball over, and they have a solid um, running game in terms of what it is that they do. What it is that they do, I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of screen passes, um, and so the Chargers are just they just have better players, and even though they're probably not going to win their own division because of who they're in a the division with. I like the Chargers to win this game. They're clearly a better team, so they should win the football game. Shouldn't be any question about that. Next, we go on to the... uh, Oh, actually, this is the second. That was the first. The Chargers and Bengals are the first of the triple header for Sunday night football. So the second in the triple header for Sunday night football is the Cardinals at the Niners. Um, I was saying this before. When it comes to Kyler Murray... If you look at what he did against the Niners last year, that was really good for a rookie. I was really impressed by him. He scored on the Niners' defense, not at will, but very well, very, very well, to where it's like it's not a hard thing for him to be able to do it again. The problem, the reason I believe both times the Cardinals lost to the Niners last year is because the Cardinals have no defense. 
And if they could get that together, I know that was their first round pick was uh, Simmons um, in the draft, I believe. Um, and if their defense can get their act together, I think the Cardinals will continue to improve. But I don't see that happening on the first game of the season. It'll be much more the same as what happened last year. Uh, Kyler Murray will be able to score on the Niners defense. But because the Niners defense will probably be able to run the ball down the defense's, uh, the Cardinals defense's throat, I don't see that power being stopped. And so, you know, regardless of whatever Jimmy Garoppolo does, I don't think it's going to matter because the Niners are going to do running game, defense, win the football game. Defense is going to get scored on by Kyler Murray, but it's like you're picking, I won't even say the lesser of two defenses because it's clearly, the Niners defense is clearly better uh, than the Cardinals deep, but because the Cardinals deep, I don't have faith in them yet, and this wacky offseason and not proper regular preparation, you got to go with the Niners in this case, but I do like the Cardinals to improve. You know, they have uh, D-Hop now, they have DeAndre Hopkins now, and I know that that could probably um, help them win some shootouts, but that defense has got to get better. So even with D-Hopkins, I'm still picking the Niners over the Cardinals. And the final of this, Monday, no, no, Sunday night football. Got to get with this time frame here. Sunday night football triple header. The Bucks at the Saints. Tom Brady starting off at New Orleans. And that is not easy. So I'm, I'm looking for the Saints to win this one because, you know, all that happened and happens to them in these last two playoff runs, I, I'm sure that there's that energy to where we've got to show people what's what's up. We got to show people we're still alive, we're still hungry, we're still a Super Bowl contender, and we cannot punk out to Tom Brady and his new football team. Um, with that said, it's not going to be easy though. Tom Brady has a lot of weapons. He has uh, weapons to the point where he doesn't have to do much, which is I think the reason why this offense works so well for him. He doesn't have to air the ball out because Mike Evans and, um, see, I get, not Marquise Goodwin. This is Godwin here. Godwin. So, you know, the Goodwin and the Godwin is, <laughs> go figure. I'm going to get them mixed up. But Godwin, if you get Godwin and you got Mike Evans, um, who can uh, do so much after the catch, you don't have to air the ball out. And Tom Brady really can't do that because he just doesn't have the arm as what he used to. Now, also on top of that, he's got Leonard Fournette running the football. And he's got, uh, I think they've got, um, oh man, why is it escaping? Who else they have in the running game? But I, I definitely think that that's going to be a factor. The Bucks D is the is the big question for question mark for me. I don't have any questions when it comes to the Saints D. I know they're going to bring it. I know they're not maybe not the best defense, but they're going to bring it and they're going to be solid. But the Bucks defense can they hold the Saints offense at bay long enough for the Bucks to get ahead and keep a lead? That's questionable. So, with that being said, I like the Saints to win this one. Maybe this one might be the game of the week. Maybe this one might turn into a shootout. And in the terms of maybe not airing it out, Breeze versus Brady, but in the sense of scoring, um, because the Bucks should be able to score on the ground and in the air. And, of course, the Saints can score on the ground and in the air. So 
what happens, I don't know. But I think this might be, uh, the for all intensive TV purposes, for the casual fan, the game of the week, the game that you want to see. Because I'm looking at a lot of scoring going on in this game. So, but I'm still going to take the Saints to edge out the Buccaneers. And probably, I would say, at least the mid-30s, um, both these teams will score. And so then we get to the... Now, NFL.com, it says... Um, two Monday night football games and then a Tuesday <laughs> football game at 2 a.m. And I'm like, what? Are they starting in Europe this early? And then I clicked on it again, and it says when you actually click into the game for the Titans at the Broncos, and it's the late Monday night football game starting at like 7 p.m. West Coast or West Coast time. Um, so that's the late night cap. And so, you know, that game is not going to come on until uh, 10 o'clock on the Eastern if anybody cares to watch it, but I don't think that they will. But uh, we'll start with the first one that they have scheduled here for the Monday night triple header Cowboys at the Rams. Cowboys, with all that's been going on uh, with Dak, um, is the team's mind right? Because that's their leader. That's their offensive leader. Um, I'm looking for big things out of C.D. Lamb. Uh, I'm looking for big things out of Zeke. Um, But... You know, is their mind right? Yeah, it's, it's another. It's the same thing with the Cowboys, um, as I mentioned. Um, you know, with the Browns, and I'm not talking about on a talent level. Talent is definitely better, and talent is there. Um, I believe their heart. They got heart, but is the mindset right? Is the mindset of the Cowboys right with all that's been going on? Um, they lost Byron Jones. How did they replace him? Um, I don't know if you can. As good as he is. Um, and then, like I said, all that's swirling around the Cowboys and got a new head coach, got, you know, a new wide receiver, all these big expectations. And you got your quarterback on the franchise tag after arguing and fussing and fighting all summer, all throughout this pandemic summer. And now we're starting the season with no preseason. And you're going up against a Rams team that just inked Jalen Ramsey as the highest paid quarterback in the league. I am not mad at a brother for getting his money, but good night. Who else are they going to have? How are they going to have other good players when all their money is sewn up in Jared Goff, Aaron Donald, and now Jalen Ramsey? I I just don't think that's a good recipe for success. I'm not saying you got to be like the Patriots and don't pay anybody, but what I am saying is... How are you going to win when all of your money is sewn up in three players when you definitely need more talent than that and more camaraderie and more team unity than just three superstar players? So I'm really torn between whose mindset is going to be better in this football game with the pandemic, with no preseason. I don't doubt the talent of other either team. I don't doubt the heart of either team. But the mindset, oh, that's a toss-up. Oh, that is a toss-up. I'm going to go with Jared Goff just because he's at home. And, yeah, you know, fans are not a factor in my opinion, but they're in the brand-new stadium, and um, they didn't have to travel. This is not – NFL is not a bubble. So, of course, they're not all playing in the same place. So teams still do have to travel. And since they're at home and the Cowboys had to come to them – I'm going to say that maybe their mindset is a little bit better starting out the season than the Cowboys' mindset 
in terms of the unity in the team. And they have the same coach in McVay. So I'm going to give an edge, just an edge, to the Rams in this one over the Cowboys. Next we have the Steelers at the Giants. I don't know why this is on Monday night. I figured more division rival type games you would want on Monday night football. But with this triple header, none of these make sense. Makes sense for Monday night for week one of your NFL season. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Giants. So you've got a returning Ben Roethlisberger. He's got his guys, uh, his offense, Juju Smith-Schuster. And he's got um, the rest of the offense and, for, for the most part, a good defense going up against the Giants. And the Giants, Saquon Barkley, to me, is the centerpiece uh, of their um of their offense, is he going to be healthy enough? Um, you know, is he coming back? I haven't heard anything where he's had any nagging injuries from last season that have plagued him coming into this season. So for all intents purposes, um, he should be good to go. What's the mindset of Daniel Jones? Um, how is he leading this team? Does he have any formidable weapons at the wide receiving core? Because he can't just go running the football the whole time and think it's going to be him and Saquon Barkley sharing touches and the running game without so much as a passing game, and then they're going to win football games? Uh, no. And nobody in the Giants' defense strikes any fear into the heart of anybody. Um, not to say that they're the worst team in the in, They're not the worst defense in the league, but what are we doing here? I don't see, again, there's too many question marks, no preseason. Uh, don't know who's opted out. I do know that Nate Solder is opted out, so that definitely hurts the Giants' offensive line which means Daniel Jones probably going to be doing even more running than he's used to. So i got to pick the Steelers in this one. Steelers are a more solid team. long as Ben Roethlisberger stays healthy, he's going to lead that team to victory. And your final game. Again, I don't understand why they picked this slew of games to be on Monday Night Football. Your nightcap, your final game to end week one is the Titans at the Broncos. Now, this is an interesting matchup but still not Monday Night Football worthy, in my opinion. But to analyze, now that Ryan Tannehill is no longer a shock or a surprise as far as his reemergence, now what is he going to be? Because as a quarterback consistently, that you know he's going to be there, you know he's going to show up, what is he going to show you? I don't know it's going to be that much. He can hide behind um, Derrick Henry in that running game, but then when somebody stuffs their running game and stacks eight in the box, what are you going to do? Now, one thing that does help him is that Von Miller's not healthy. So Von Miller, I believe, is a scratch for this game. He's hurt. He's out. So that definitely helps when it comes to Derrick Henry running the football. And so maybe Tannehill doesn't have to do too much in the passing game. And because of that, I like the Titans to edge out the Broncos in this. Now, I said edge because I think the Broncos are going to be a better football team this season. I think Drew Locke is actually a good quarterback. I'm not saying greatness and all that other stuff, but I'm saying a good quarterback. He seems like he can make accurate reads um, when passing the football. You've got Phillip Lindsay running the football, so you know that's the first thing the Titans are going to stack eight in a box and try to neutralize is neutralize Phillip Lindsay so he can't get going because if he gets going, then they got problems. So they're going to neutralize Phillip Lindsay, but can Drew Locke be competent enough in the passing game 
um, as the season moves forward to make the Broncos a good, formidable team. I believe that he can, which is um, going to be uh, some, you know, some a little bit of hot water for opposing defenses, especially in the AFC West. Um, but I don't know it's just too early to tell. Uh, I think Cortland Sutton is a scratch for this game. I don't think he's healthy either which is, all intents and purposes, their number one receiver, even though I think eventually their number one draft pick, Jerry Judy, will become their number one receiver. Um, but he's not there yet. So with just Jerry Judy, no Cortland Sutton, no Von Miller, you got to give the edge to the Titans. And I give the edge to the Titans to win in this game, even though I think the Broncos are going to be a better football team this year and could turn some heads and probably get some upset wins this year. But I don't see it happening with this first game of the season, no preseason, all that good stuff. So that will conclude our week one predictions and analysis. I am excited at the same time, hoping that, you know, we get better as a country in so many aspects and so many areas. Um, and definitely uh, hoping for the best, hoping for more positivity in this world, in this earth, in this country uh, as we move forward with sports and the things that are happening in sports and players using their voices um, to make a difference in this world off the field as well as on the field. Until next time, this is Devalian with Scout Team Sports, and we will be back on Wednesday when we get the recap of week one and leading into Thursday night football to start week two. Again, this is Devalian with Scout Team Sports. We'll see you in the next episode. Yeah.